This episode of Weekly Weird News is sponsored by Bespoke Post. A few years back, a bizarre news trend that we observed which horrified us to our cores involved unsuspecting individuals suddenly finding themselves covered in a complete stranger's liquid excrement. And that's because it was close to home. Yeah. These totally random diarrhea attacks in Los Angeles, very close to home, but also up in Toronto, involved buckets, sometimes even Home Depot buckets, of (laughs) the stuff being just suddenly dumped on victims by perpetrators clearly dealing with some mental health issues. Because no sane person, no matter how motivated or spiteful, would ever do such a thing to another human being. There are lines that are simply not crossed, Mm -hmm. at least not on purpose. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes similar, but even worse things, do happen totally unintentionally, though, but still do mostly just, like, to carelessness. Like, for example, when the Dave Matthews Band's tour bus driver dropped 800 pounds of liquid human waste off of a bridge into the Chicago River right as a sightseeing tour boat was passing underneath. Uh, a crime, what are the odds? A crime in and of itself, uh, without the yeah. barge going beneath you, the uh, you, thing. You can't just dump out a, a bus's uh, septic tank into the Chicago River. No, no, you cannot do that. I mean, the river's gross already, but you can't make it more gross like that. What do I want to risk? Dumping this into the river or Dave coming back and being furious that the toilet's backed up? Hey, man, <laughs> what the fuck? So, yeah, if you're not aware of that incident... Uh, Let's just get into it. Here's the Chicago Tribune's report on it from 2004. At the outset of a Chicago riverboat tour Sunday, Captain Sonia Lund deadpanned that passengers should not look up with their mouths open when passing under the city's graded bridges, lest they get a true taste of Chicago. About 15 minutes later, passengers got more than that. They got a deluge when the boat was doused with a foul liquid substance that appeared to drop from one or two charter buses as the boat passed under the Kinsey Street Bridge, passengers and tour officials said. Witnesses said they had just begun the Chicago Architecture Foundation's 1 p.m. tour when they passed under the bridge and a cascade of a brownish-yellow substance rained on them. About two-thirds of the passengers seated on the upper deck of Chicago's Little Lady were soaked. (laughs) Uh, Passengers said they looked up to see at least one, possibly two, charter buses rumbling above. A volunteer tour guide at the boat's helm reassured passengers that they had been splashed with water, but the foul smell prompted suspicion. There was stunned silence initially, then sort of this horrible realization as they began to smell themselves as to what happened, said Steedman Bass, 35, of Boston, who was a passenger on the boat but was not sprayed. It was horrific. It was horrific. But not me. I didn't get any of it on me. I wouldn't know about that because I did not get the pee-pee and poo-poo all over me. No, I was clearly all away from these people. I've been on a Chicago River tour. They're great. I think I've been on this exact tour because there's a lot of very iconic buildings in Chicago, and the river is a great way to to see all them. Lovely city. Yeah, it is. I I love the loop of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And this would have just ruined Chicago for me. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't take long to figure out that the bus responsible for this catastrophe was the Dave Matthews Band's tour bus. And its driver, Stefan Wool, who is presumably not related to Jacob Wool. Well, I don't know. Uh, he was sued and also criminally prosecuted for dousing 80 people in liquid shit. But also should have probably gotten in trouble anyway, even if there wasn't a boat passing underneath, because dumping into the river is... they have. On highways, they have things for like RVs and yeah. stuff to do that. It's a septic system. Oh so. man, I, I always dump my uh, boat, my uh, my bus's septic tank into the river. It's, this is the only time it's ever gone wrong. You usually don't have people passing right underneath at the same time. What are the chances? Yeah, I you know he does that a lot. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, he must have. Uh, but yeah, it's the stuff of nightmares. Just think about it. And and 17 years later, the victims are probably still 
deeply traumatized by it. Mm -hmm. But do you know what's even more horrifying than having a hundred gallons of human waste dumped on you from a bridge that you're crossing under? Having that liquid shit water fall on you from seemingly nowhere, just out of the sky, like you've been smited by the Lord. And that's what recently happened to a man in England when an airplane dropped sewage all over a guy gardening outside <laughs> his house. Uh, here's Insider with a report on this absolute nightmare fuel. A man was enjoying the sun in his backyard in Windsor, southeast England, when a passing plane dropped toilet waste over him and his garden furniture, a local councillor said during a recent meeting. The unfortunate incident in which a plane discharged sewage took place in July, according to the minutes of Royal Borough of Windsor and Maidenhead's most recent aviation forum. Quote, his whole garden was splattered in a very unpleasant way, said Karen Davies, ward councillor for Cluer East during the October 14 meeting. He was out in his garden at the time, and it was a really horrible, horrible experience, the local lawmaker <laughs> continued. The whole garden, garden umbrellas, and him were covered in poop, Davies explained. It's absolutely dreadful, she said during the meeting. Yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, I, I can Especially, always... the, I mean, not even yourself being covered in shit, but all of your fresh produce in your vegetable garden. And your outdoor furniture, was, which is not cheap. Yeah, this is when you really need a, a pressure washer. And I just have to imagine, because the world loves irony, that, like, this guy, you know, a month earlier, doctor's like, you gotta get outside more. Mm -hmm. we, we've all been cooped up. Gardening, it's an easy way to yeah. get on your feet and get have Get the vitamin D. We, you know, we've all been cooped up for yeah. so long. And, and I think it would be really beneficial. Get the blood flowing. And then next thing you know, you're just getting shit oh! <laughs> I was cooped up, now I'm pooped up. Yeah. So obviously this kind of thing is not supposed to happen. Uh, airplane toilet systems are vacuum sealed and they're only meant to be emptied out when the plane is on the ground. It's yeah. like, it's impossible for the pilot to just be like, we need to take off some weight yeah. here. <laughs> it's like he's looking through a pipe, yeah. at like, it, like he's aiming it. <laughs> yeah. All right, That's, bombs away. It's not possible. Uh, but uh, when there are leaks, planes, they're usually so high in the sky that what falls down to earth is frozen. It's known as blue ice due to the distinctive color of the disinfectant used in airplane toilet systems. It's just the worst kind of hail you could imagine. Yeah. It's not liquid. Spicy hail. But uh, blue ice incidents, they're extremely rare. There's only a few incidents per year that are documented, and it usually just results in property damage at worst, mm -hmm. which still sucks, but at least and you're it, not getting rained on by doo-doo. By the time you find it, you have no idea, like, there's like a crack in the roof or like your shed or something. It's yeah. like, I wonder how that got there. I have no idea. Because it's already melted into the ground. Yeah. And uh, maybe a flower Or you out. find it and you're like Joe Dirt, and you're like, I found this meteorite. How much do you think I could sell this for? So that was like... You know, back in the 90s, I remember, I don't know if it was like a, a urban legend or something, but I remember back in the 90s, like reports of people finding like solids this wow, big. Wow, what is this? Like crashing through their roofs. <laughs> but, you know, it, it would happen and be like, wow, what is this? Like, and then it would melt. And it's like, obviously, this is human shit and toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. So what happened to this Englishman? It's especially rare and possibly uh, due to the summer heat at the time defrosting the blue ice and turning it liquid by the time that it hit him in his garden. Yeah. Just a lovely summer day. It usually doesn't get this warm here in southeast England. Yeah. Much Gosh. like a meteorite, uh, it broke up before <laughs> getting all the yeah. way down. Ugh. Yeah. It's extremely rare, but still less rare than you'd hope. Back in 2018, a woman and her kid were driving in British Columbia when the sunroof uh, was open in the car. And, uh, you know, people in it, they were showered with liquid doo-doo from an airplane passing overhead. Like, that is perfect. Like just aiming I'm so glad perfectly. I spent the extra like $2,000 on sunroof option because what a lovely day here in British Columbia. 
Yeah. The clean British Columbia air from all those big trees. And that's mm. another thing that I guarantee you is one of those ironic moments because my wife's car has a sunroof, but we never, we always forget that it's there. Yeah. It just came on the leased car. And it's like, it's one of those times where you're just going, you know what? We have a sunroof. It's really nice out. Yeah. Why don't we crank that thing open? Yeah, pretty good. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> Or you get shit on by a bird or something. Yeah. In this case, a big metal bird. That's right. Uh, the victim of that incident uh, said, I started crying and I'm like, I'm covered in poo. The car was just inundated with poo. It was falling from the sky. You could feel the drops hitting you. When I looked up, there was nothing above but a plane flying. <laughs> Gotta be that. Yeah, probably. Uh, oh, and she also got pink eye from some shit that got in her eye. So <laughs> Damn it. double whammy. There you go. Something new to be afraid of every time you leave the house. If you're not agoraphobic yet, you will be soon. Yeah. Now, it's not likely, but it can happen. It's still possible. Yeah. One of these days, you could be minding your own business, outdoors, gardening, driving, just doing anything. Yeah. And then uh, a torrential downpour of the, fe- the feces and piss of... Hundreds of people all combined into a slurry and rains down on you. And it's not, uh, you know, you're getting the worst of it, too, because if you if you got to go duty on an airplane, it's an emergency. Yeah. You, Usually people are going to hold it. Yeah. If you got a firm, healthy turd, you're like, you know, what? I'm, I'm landing in Salt Lake City in 90 minutes. I think I can hold it. You, you use the bathroom for number two on a plane if there are no other options, because yeah. it is not a fun place to go. It's. And you're, disgusting the pressure's on because there's usually people waiting for you. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's uh, it's not exactly the best place. And you get up and everyone can see you. Like, that guy's taking a shit. And, uh, yeah, he was in there for over two and yeah. a half minutes. You've got an audience waiting yeah. outside the door. It's not ideal. So, yeah, you're getting the worst of the worst when this happens. Yep. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, but anyway, moving on now from poop news to news about food, which mm. is the thing that poop starts out as. Yes. Um. So, yeah, if you, obviously you, you wouldn't have been eating during that last story, but this story is a food story, so you can... Break out that sandwich. Bon appetit. Yeah. Uh, so feeding yourself on a tight budget can be difficult. And if you ask most people to figure out a way to spend just $150 a year on meals, they'd either tell you to go fuck yourself or they'd just end up living off chicken broth and rice and just hate every minute of it. Yeah. $150 a year is just 41 cents a day. And it, it sounds damn near impossible, but... A Southern California man named Dylan recently spoke to Mel Magazine about how he managed to do it. For years, millennials have endured an endless barrage of worthless budgeting apps, phony money diaries, and toxic hustle porn. But in truth, there is only one realistic path for us to overcome our debilitating financial burdens. And Dylan, a 33-year-old electrical engineer in Santa Clarita, California, is the one who figured it out. Quote, you can pay around $150 for unlimited year-round access to Six Flags, which includes parking and two meals a day, he tells me. If you time it right, you can eat both lunch and dinner there every day. Maybe that sounds outlandish, but after just seven years of daily meals at the theme park, Dylan paid down his student loans, got married, and bought a house. Millennials, it's that easy. You just have to live within walking or very short driving distance to a Six Flags. Yeah, what are you complaining about? Uh, time it so that you have enough time to get from the parking lot all the way into the amusement park, then yeah. back out and then back to work. You could also poop there if you wanted, if you if you're able to time it. Yeah, keep the bathroom at your place clean. Yeah, go yeah. to Six Flags. Yeah. Drop the kids off at Six Flags. Mm-hmm. And, ri- and ride maybe one coaster. I'm going to drop the kids off down at Six Flags Hurricane Harbor. <laughs> Yikes. Maybe get some chicken tenders. While poop water. So yeah, back in 2014, Dylan started an internship working at a company just a five-minute walk down the road from Six Flags Magic Mountain. 
looking at annual pass offerings, he noticed the $150 option with two free meals per day and says that it was a no-brainer. Quote, that first year, I don't think I ever went to the grocery store. I timed it so I was able to go there during my lunch break, go back to work, and then stop back for dinner on my way home. It was crazy. I was saving money, paying off student loans. One of my coworkers said she spent $1,500 a month on eating out. I was like, yeah, I'm not going down that road. I'll just go down Magic Mountain Parkway. That's right. That's the road I go down. <laughs> Uh, of course, if you've ever been to Six Flags, the menu, it isn't exactly the kind of stuff that you should be eating on a daily basis. Well, if you're going to do it, do it while you're young. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's that's the thing. If you're going to do this, you have to be young because I would say 90% of the food at Six Flags is fried. Yeah. And the other 10% is a burger. Yeah. So Ch Chicken fingers. Corn dogs. French fries. French burgers. Fries. Funnel cakes. Maybe a chicken sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Fun the funnel cakes. Oh, it's time for dessert. They have the funnel cakes right by the entrance, too, so it's the first thing you smell when you come in and when you're leaving. So, yeah. like, you're leaving Six Flags, you're like, yeah, let's get a funnel cake for the long walk through the parking lot that is, like, well, he, way too big. So, that's the real hack is he avoided the parking lot by just walking straight to the entrance. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, when Dylan first started going, it was pretty much burgers and fries, though the options have gotten better since then. Uh, Dylan is especially fond of the seasonal Thanksgiving dog, or at least he was, saying, it was amazing. It's a turkey dog topped with cranberry sauce, stuffing, and a slathering of mayonnaise, Yum. which I know sounds awful, but it was so good. I ended up eating way too many of them, and now I can't even smell turkey dogs without gagging. Uh, and, and at some point, the dining pass expanded to include one snack, like Dippin' Dots, churros, ice cream, and pretzels. And that's when Dylan started noticing he was gaining weight. Uh-oh. Here's the article again. These days, then, he says, I stay away from the snacks and stick to healthier options. There's a pretty decent carne asada salad, so I usually do that now. They also have a chipotle chicken salad that's pretty good, too. The only problem is the chipotle chicken salad is on the opposite side of the park, which means it doesn't always fit into his Six Flags daily meal calculus. From where I park my car to the places at the back of the park to then back to my car, it's usually about 5,000 steps. And I'm hustling, he explains. I could go to Hurricane Harbor, the water park area, but it seems weird being the only guy dressed business casual while everyone else is walking around in swim trunks and bikinis. That said, during the off-season, getting to any corner of the park is easy. He'll even stop for a ride before going back to the <laughs> office. But when the park is full or if he has a busy day at work, Dylan is forced to settle for something towards the front of the park, like the much-dreaded chicken balls. <laughs> I got so sick of those chicken balls, he says. I'd estimate I got them around 150 times, and at five per meal, that's around 750 balls. I don't know that I could ever eat them again. So I guess he is like just driving over. Yeah. But yeah, knowing Still, the, the local geography of that park, it is, uh, the parking lot is like down and behind the park. Yeah. It's go back and then into the park. They don't have out. a structure. They've just continued to pave more parking. Yes, the parking lot is as big as the theme park. Yeah, basically. like if you get there later in the day, it's like a good like 25 minute walk. Yeah. To the yeah, entrance. you're walking the length of a theme park to get to the front gates of the theme park. Yeah. Maybe so, he got Heelys. Well, the good thing is that he's technically getting exercise by walking that many steps in yeah. back. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's offsetting a lot of the uh, unhealthiness of just eating uh, theme park junk food by walking the it's theme park. It's still bad for you, but the calories will at least get burned off. Yeah. Um, Dylan's Six Flags diet has also slowed him, uh, or has slowed down a bit in recent years. He's gotten married and now says he goes to Six Flags for four or five lunches a week and no longer goes for dinner or on weekends. All told, he estimates his number of Six Flags meals to be more than 2,000 total, which would average out to around 50 cents per meal. And he has no plans to stop anytime soon, saying, we just bought a house here, so I'm not really going anywhere. As long as they keep changing the menu, I'm happy. 
And like, but here's the thing: is this is getting so much press? Yeah, they're they are probably going to do away with this. Well, I, I did check, and like, it's not 150 dollars anymore. It's it's closer to like 250. It's still a deal, though. And yeah, yes. If you, I mean, if you're crazy enough to do what this guy does, yeah, you're getting you're bang for your buck for sure. There was a guy who I won't call out by name. It's not an embarrassing story, but he worked at Machinima back when Machinima was a big thing, and uh, he would go every day to 7-Eleven up the street, walking mm-hmm. distance, and get uh, the big juicy jumbo hot dog. Yeah. And it came with a side and a drink, and it was like a dollar seventy-five. Yeah. And he would do that every single day. I mean, it's like if you work super close to a Costco, that like getting a Costco membership just to eat at the Costco food court would be a tremendous deal. You yeah. would uh, you would save a lot of money. So, yeah. I get it. It's not healthy to just eat hot dogs every meal but uh but if you if your goal is to save as much money as possible as quickly as possible yeah. because you have like student loans and stuff like that i mean it is it clearly works <laughs> it's not exactly ideal <laughs> it's not ideal at all in a perfect world you wouldn't need to do this but uh <laughs> it is an option but and you he, get to hit the uh the viper on the way out yeah yeah that's i mean it's he, a free chiropractor he says cracks he's a big, back he says he's a big roller coaster fan and that's the main reason he started looking into it and then that he just happened to discover the meal plan he's like perfect yeah. I went once uh, since the park reopened, and I, I went there, and I was like, yeah, I'll ride, like, one or two coasters. Uh, and I got in line for one, and the line was two hours. What? When I got off, I was like, I, I just want to leave. Ugh. Uh, yeah, it was, but it was that Twisted Colossus, and it was very oh, extreme. Yeah, so yeah. It, was wor- it was worth the wait uh, in retrospect, but, yeah, I was like, I, I'm not even going to wait for I'm not, not going to do another two-hour line. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Especially, it's very hot up there. Yeah. But yeah, for years, we've been inundated with article after article about how some millennial was able to afford a house and pay off their loans by their late 20s. And then you, you actually read the article, and the answer is almost always just that like their parents or grandparents gave them a bunch of money. Or the house. Yeah, yeah, I was gifted a house. That's yeah. how I did it. So just do what I did. So yeah, it's kind of refreshing seeing a similar millennial success story, but the method is just getting a job right next to an amusement park and eating there every day. It's it's so specific and bizarre that all you can really do is respect the guy for pulling it off. Yeah, uh, but and we, then and then lighting a match and burning the uh, option on the way out because they're this is going to change. It's got to because so many people are going to be on this. I don't know if that's going to be. I mean, like this might a few people might catch on, but I don't think this is ever going to be a big problem for Six Flags. Yeah, because I mean that's it, they're they're still making money off of it because yeah. it's like cost them nothing. Yeah. But, and it's great marketing for them, too. They're like, yeah, we got to, <laughs> you won't believe the deal we have on food. Yeah. Our food's so good that some people eat every meal here. So that's the thing is now I'm like remembering, I'm like, if you don't have that meal pass, the food there is actually outrageously expensive yeah. for what you get. It's like it's $20. It's $20 for a chicken finger. Yeah. And it's not worth it for that. But if you're paying 50 cents for it, it's like. Those yeah. things are 50% breading. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we do look forward, though, to the new generational warfare talking point of, uh, why don't you put down that avocado toast and go eat all your meals at the Six Flags food court instead of complaining about how expensive living is? How about that, millennial? Yeah. Uh, moving on now, though, to an update to an ongoing story that we've been covering. Zebulon Simentov, <laughs> the last Jew in Afghanistan. I love this guy. Now, last we checked, after spending over a decade as the only Jew left in Afghanistan, Zebulon had refused offers to relocate him out of Afghanistan now that the Taliban was returning to power, but then changed his mind and actually agreed to leave, with his final destination apparently being the U.S. Um, things have, once again, gotten complicated. <laughs> as old, they do with him. Old Zebulon, uh, his saga of annoying the hell out of everyone he encounters, actually has continued. 
Apparently, he feels uh, he was transported out of Afghanistan under false pretenses with the understanding that he would be going to the U.S., but now his rescuers are insisting that he go to Israel. And Zebulon is not happy about this. Here's the Jewish Chronicle. He is the last Jew of Afghanistan who was rescued in a courageous humanitarian mission last month after the fall of Kabul to the Taliban. But in a bizarre twist, according to his rescuer, Zebulon Simentov is refusing to go to Israel to make his home there unless he is first paid $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> and he is warned he is otherwise ready to go back to Afghanistan. After his rescue in September, Mr. Simentov was flown to a country that has remained unnamed for security reasons. He is now in Istanbul, where he is staying in a hotel. In an extraordinary phone conversation with his rescuer, Israeli humanitarian contractor Moti Kahana, he demanded the staggering sum, claiming he lost a lot of money in leaving Afghanistan and also asked for additional cash to buy a winter coat. <laughs> That's reasonable. need <laughs> $10 million and a uh, winter coat. And a coat on top of it. In earlier statements weeks ago, he had been insistent that he would not make Israel his final destination because he feared punitive measures over his failure to give a get, a divorce, to his wife, who has lived there with his two daughters since 1998. However, he has since granted the divorce in a ceremony performed over Zoom, organized in Turkey by Rabbi Mendi Chitrik, chairman of the Alliance of Rabbis in Islamic States. Mr. Simenton's brother Aaron and sister Osnat are also in Israel, living in Halon, near Tel Aviv. But instead of making Aliyah, which is returning to Israel, he wants to go to the U.S. and live in New York, where he has relatives. The problem with that is that uh, immigrating to the U.S. is a huge pain in the ass that takes a very long time, whereas Israel's immigration rules would pretty much grant him immediate entry. It's extremely unclear why Simentov is so opposed to moving to Israel, since his original excuse is no longer valid. Uh, his rescuers are now trying to fly his Israeli siblings out to Turkey to try and talk some sense <laughs> into him. Uh, and they sound like they're, they're getting to the end of the rope with this guy. Very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, it probably sounded like a slam dunk humanitarian mission at first. Rescue the one last Jew in Afghanistan from the Taliban. It's very uh, simple and yeah. a big success story if you make it happen. Uh, but now Modi Kahana says, I'm not a babysitter. I can't go on funding and supporting Zebulon in Istanbul for an unlimited time. And I told him I won't take him back to Kabul. <laughs> Uh, he's already moved him to a cheaper hotel in Istanbul uh, that's paid for for at least the next month. But, quote, after that, I'm done. I should have never gotten involved with this guy. He's nothing but trouble. So, yeah, the U.S.-based rabbi who funded Zebulon's rescue from Afghanistan told the Chronicle, quote, Obviously, going back to Afghanistan is potential suicide. It's crazy. Zebulon has several siblings and children in Israel, whereas in the U.S., all he has is an elderly uncle. Frankly, Israel makes the most sense. He should be reunited with his daughters and his siblings. We cannot force someone to go somewhere they don't want to go. And yeah, it sounds like he might just end up staying in Istanbul. That's uh, moving this guy from one place to the other took such a huge amount of work. I don't think he's moving anywhere else anytime soon unless yeah. he gets exactly what he wants. Now, honestly, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. For several years before he was the only Jew in Afghanistan, Zebulon Simentov had one other fellow Jew there. And the two guys absolutely fucking hated each other. <laughs> Zebulon tried to frame the other guy for crimes, and at one point the Taliban released both of them from prison out of annoyance because they just argued with each other the whole time. He much preferred being the only Jew in a majority Muslim country, and the idea of moving to Israel probably just sounds like having to get into a million petty arguments with literally everyone around him. Zebulon Simentov, the last Jew in Afghanistan, just doesn't seem to really like Jewish people very much. Yeah, I, that's my only way of uh, explaining this is... Uh... He's like, look, I lived with literally just one other Jew in the entire country for years, and it was awful. 
Mm-hmm. You're asking me to move to an entire country full of Jews so I can argue with all of them? I'm too old for that shit. Yeah. Leave me here in Turkey where I'm not as in danger as I was back in <laughs> Afghanistan, but I'm still surrounded by Muslims and maybe a handful of other Jews. Or give me $10 million. Or I'll take $10 million. Yeah, that's... Uh, there you go. You yeah. want to be a real hero. Give and a me coat. $10 million and a coat. And a, a nice cold coat. Don't forget it, the coat. I hear New York City gets real chilly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on now to some architecture news. Very exciting stuff. Uh, up in Santa Barbara, California, there's a little bit of controversy right now at the local University of California campus over uh, the news, the school's new residence hall or the plans for it. Uh, some are comparing it to a prison or less provocatively to a cruise ship. Because nearly all of the thousands of students who will live there won't have windows in their dorm rooms. <laughs> oh my Which God. Is, uh, how could it get worse? It's especially insane considering how beautiful the coastal community of Santa Barbara is. That's it's, why you'd want to go there. You go there to like take in the cool air and hear the waves. And it's, it's just a gorgeous part it's of the It's a beautiful country. city. Uh, so uh, let's read from the Santa Barbara Independent. A consulting architect on UCSB's design review committee has quit his post in protest over the university's proposed Munger Hall project, calling the massive, mostly windowless dormitory plan unsupportable from my perspective as an architect, a parent, and a human being. <laughs> Uh, In his October 25th resignation letter to UCSB campus architect Julie Hendricks, Dennis McFadden, a well-respected Southern California architect with 15 years on the committee, goes scorched earth on the radical new building concept, which calls for an 11-story, 1.68 million square foot structure that would house up to 4,500 students, 94% of whom would not have windows in their small, single-occupancy bedrooms. The idea was conceived by 97-year-old billionaire investor turned amateur architect Charles Munger, who donated $200 million toward the project with the condition that his blueprints be followed exactly. (laughs) Munger maintains the small living quarters would coax residents out of their rooms and into larger common areas where they could interact and collaborate. This is how you solve the problem of freshmen just staying in their dorm rooms, too scared to get get out and socialize. You make their rooms miserable to be in. Mm-hmm. Like, literally unhealthy. Yeah, and like, slope the floor so they can't even stand still. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, what's the, what's the architecture called where it's made on purpose? Hostile architecture. Yeah, hostile architecture, where it's like, yeah. wow, that's a that's a cool-looking little wall there. Oh, that's uh, so homeless people don't sleep yeah, in. Yeah, it's, it's so no one can sit or sleep on it. <laughs> so yeah, Dennis McFadden, a real architect, is quitting because a 97-year-old billionaire amateur architect, a.k.a. not actually an architect, gave a shitload of money to UCSB to build his big dumb building to his exact specifications. Uh, McFadden points out that interior environments with access to sunlight, natural air, and views to the outside are considered pretty important for mental health. Yeah! And also calls the whole thing a social and psychological experiment with an unknown impact on the lives and personal development of the undergraduates the university serves. Yeah, no, and then we'll, uh, when they're at Munger Hall, uh, afterwards, uh, I have this great idea. I'm going to give a lot of money to the school, and we're going to have these these uh, events where the kids these can compete games. with each other. And they're called the Munger Games. The Munger Games, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's just, you know, the typical sort of games that kids like playing. Uh, yeah, when, when one rope. kid loses, they get kicked out of school. Yeah. And, yeah. oh, you, you don't like ha- not having a window? Well, if you eliminate a kid with the window, yeah. you get then the you window. Then you get the window. Yeah. This is going to make our students... Try harder. I love that this guy's legacy wants to be essentially mental torture. I can die at literally any second, and I want the last thing on earth that anyone remembers me to be is uh, this monstrosity that everyone fucking hates. I want to ruin the lives of nearly 5,000 people a year, (laughs) personally, with my name on it. Yeah. Proudly. 
Yeah, Munger Hall. Yeah. That's me. I'm the one who did this. Yeah. It was my idea. I'm not, I, I didn't just donate money to put my name on the building. I designed it in my head. They should put a bust and a statue of this guy in front. Just covered in like fucking eggs. Yeah, just immediately. Yeah. So anyway, this McFadden guy, he stepped down upon learning that this project is 100% set in stone and definitely happening. Nothing you can do about it. And he's now very publicly shitting on his old employer for allowing this to happen. Good. Uh, Here's the article again. McFadden draws striking comparisons between Munger Hall and other large structures to illustrate its colossal footprint. Currently, he said, the largest single dormitory in the world is Bancroft Hall at the U.S. Naval Academy, which houses 4,000 students and is composed of multiple wings wrapped around numerous courtyards with over 25 entrances. Munger Hall, in comparison, is a single block housing 4,500 students with two entrances, McFadden said, and would qualify as the eighth densest neighborhood on the planet, falling just short of Dhaka, Bangladesh. It would be able to house Princeton University's entire undergraduate population or all five Claremont colleges. Quote, the project is essentially the student life portion of a mid-sized university campus in a box, he said. The project is utterly detached from its physical setting, McFadden goes on, and has no relationship to UCSB's spectacular coastal location. It is also out of place with the scale and texture of the rest of the campus, he said. An alien world parked at the corner of the campus, not an integrally related extension of it. Even the rooftop courtyard looks inward and may as well be on the ground in the desert as on the 11th floor on the coast of California, he said. This sounds miserable. It's like Mega City 1. Yeah, (laughs) and also two entrances or exits. This is dangerous. It's extremely dangerous and it was going to cause a lot of students to be late for class because everyone's going to classes at the same time. Yeah, no, it's going to be bottlenecked. Uh, And also, I I guess the ground floor has classrooms in it, so it's going to be even more bottlenecked than it would be if it was just dorms. There's a blueprint of this fucking building in this article, and it's hilarious because, like, if they had just accounted for a little bit more space, this could have been, like, if they had just left gaps between the, uh, because you have the one main hallway, and then you have these hallways going on the opposite axis. If they had just made those into wings with space between them so that everyone could have a window, I don't think anyone would have a problem with this, but they're just, like, just cramming as much fucking shit in one Get place into your sleeping possible. tube. Yeah. All the rooms are going to have like UV lights built into like a part of the ceiling to like simulate sunlight. This is horrible. It's fucking madness. It's like the rain. It is. <laughs> yeah. Or, or dread. Yeah. It's, yeah. You do, this is not good. It's like uh, it's that uh, Kowloon City <laughs> in uh, Hong Kong that they tore down. In the and late by 90s. the way, these kids are paying so much money to go here. Yeah. No, it's not cheap. Like, it's not private school expensive, but it's tens of thousands of dollars a year. You can go very much into debt in the UC system. Yeah. So, yeah, best of luck to the future students of UC Santa Barbara who were looking forward to living and studying in one of the most beautiful parts of the country. Uh, in addition to racking up $45,000 a year in student loan debt, you may also have to live like a prison inmate for a year or so to fully appreciate your surroundings. But when you go outside, boy, are you going to love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is all just because Warren Buffett's 97-year-old business partner has a few unorthodox ideas about architecture and enough money to just shut all his critics up. It's a little experiment. Fuck this guy. (laughs) Anyways, we have plenty more weird news coming up for you in the headlines half of this show. But first, this episode is sponsored by Bespoke Post. This fall, as you get back into the swing of things, Bespoke Post is here with a new seasonal lineup of must-have Box of Awesome collections. Bespoke Post partners with small businesses and emerging brands to bring you the most unique goods every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From autumn craft beers to cozy threads and camping gear essentials, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. 
Some of Bespoke Post's newest boxes include this box with everything you need to make delicious cocktails at home, minus the booze, and this shoe polishing kit for looking dapper at your more formal obligations. I got a, uh, they sent me one recently that had a really, really nice wooden domino set. Mm. Uh, also some uh, Caribbean jerk rub for, uh, I just did wings the other day with the rub on it. And um, I got a I knife. Know, I don't know if they watched the show or not, but they sent me a craft uh, non-alcoholic beer. Oh. oh so wow. that was like, uh, even if they don't, they just, it was just happened to be great. Well, so there you go. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Plus, with each box of awesome, you're supporting small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small up-and-coming brand. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code WEIRD at checkout. That is boxofawesome.com, code WEIRD for 20% off your first box. Now into the headlines half of the show, starting with bat winning by quite a lot in New Zealand's bird of year contest. Yeah, it's uh, we talked about this recently, yeah. but they're, they're letting bats into the bird contest. A lot of people very upset about this, but... Uh, Tough shit. People people like the bats. The bats are getting votes. Yeah, and, you know, might be just, uh, just to really show those bird lovers, but uh, either way, you know, this is doing great things for the humble bat. The humble New who Zealand bat. Who has had a lot of bad press recently. Who did nothing wrong. The New Zealand bat not responsible for any disease. It's not like all those other bats that mm-hmm. are spreading uh, coronaviruses to pangolins, yeah. to humans. These guys didn't do anything. And they're and they're going to win a great award. Mm-hmm. So, good for them. New Zealand, though. Place is going to be in chaos when this bat wins. Yeah, they're People are, are going to be submitting every kind of animal to the Bird of the Year contest. Uh, yeah, they're New Zealand. Lovely place. Yeah. But uh, they've, they've lost their minds. Yeah. Or at least some, a few of them have. But uh, the government finally is just like, fine, whatever. Whatever. You can get your vaccine or not. We, you, we, we, we did such a good job for such a long time with this COVID thing. And you people just complained and whined. So have at it. Better than LA where the sheriff is literally like, murders are going to go up because of the vaccine. Because my uh, sheriff's department refuses to get it. And they're just going to quit. And, yeah. wait, and you're all going to die. So enjoy getting murdered instead of dying of the coronavirus. You know, I would love to see that happen as a little experiment because uh, it's like when uh, the one time that the NYPD went on strike, crime actually went down. Uh, yeah. The L.A. Sheriff's Department is the world's largest gang. And uh, yeah. And also he's like, he's like yeah, it's like about 40 percent of our officers. Uh, they're going to resign over the vaccine thing. It was like 40 percent. Very interesting. Uh, well, percentage uh, in reference to police. If you if you're curious, just Google uh, police forty percent hmm. to to see the answer. Spoiler right. alert: forty percent of cops beat their wives. Uh-huh. Anyway, next headline: Catman on trial for murder in Argentina, expelled from courtroom for meowing. So did he get away with it? Uh, you're free to go. Just get out of here. I, yeah, it's an interesting strategy. I and mean, this guy killed like his mom and his aunt mm-hmm. brutally, but he. He loves cats, and this is the thing he's been doing throughout this trial. It's been going on for years. Just start meowing until they until they kick him out. Until they kick us out. Yeah, he probably would have gotten convicted by now, but uh, this whole thing's taking forever because he's uh, he's just meowing the whole way through. So I mean, it's like a, I guess he's probably trying to go for like the the insanity defense or whatever. I don't know if they have that in Argentina. This man, it's clearly crazy. Keeps meowing. Like I guess he's, he's just trying to have fun with it because it's like he's he sounds like he probably did it. Yeah, he's already, uh, uh, you know, up shit creek, so, so I yeah. well, uh, 
Take the form of a cat. Yeah. You wouldn't prosecute an animal. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to prosecute a cat for Actually, her. we put animals down. Oh! Oh, no! Well, no. I changed my mind. Hello, I'm a human being. Hello, it's me, human man. Tropicana announces orange juice-friendly toothpaste. <laughs> okay. You asked for it. We heard you loud and clear. You're tired of guzzling down a big glass of orange juice at breakfast and then being like, ah, oh, shit, now it's time to brush my teeth. No, that tastes terrible. That's usually fine. It's usually when you brush your teeth first and then go down and have some orange juice. Well, yeah, that's true. Either well, way, both of them suck when they're anyway, combined too close yeah, together. They say that they've figured it out. This new orange, this new or this new toothpaste, you can brush your teeth and then wash it down with a glass of orange juice and be just fine. Yeah, so, there you go. Uh, they've solved very exciting stuff. The problem. They are being weird about it though. They're only they're giving they're doing a giveaway. They're not actually selling this in stores. Oh. So it's like, if you really figured this out as well as you claim to have, that would be a billion dollar idea. So what are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't had a glass of orange juice with breakfast since. Oh, I, I have a, orange juice every day. Child. It's just sugar water. Yeah, but it's it's good. I like it. Well, how much? Like eight ounces is like about what you're. Yeah, I just to take a, a a sip out of the old bottle, just a swig. Oh, really? Yeah. It's kind of gross. How is it gross? You don't use a glass. No, it's my it's my <laughs> it's my fridge. It's my juice. Your wife doesn't drink it. No. Oh, okay. All right. Who gives a shit? It's mine. It's like 15-year-old kid getting home from high school and being like, Mom, are you home? Sunny D, back in the fridge. Look, I didn't fucking survive on this planet for this long to not be (laughs) able to drink my own orange juice however I want to. Fine, fine. Also, like, fuck Tropicana because I remember stories like my dad grew up like near a, like, he said with the wind was right, he'd smell chocolate from the chocolate factory. Yeah. Uh, Florida that Tropicana was right up the street from my high school. So if the wind was right, it just smelled like burning oranges, which is the not a good smell at all. It didn't smell like fresh oranges. Yeah. It was like burning oranges, like just disgusting smell. Ugh. Yeah. Well. And also like driving by, the factory is not pretty. It is straight up industrial as hell. Yeah. It's not like happy people just squeezing oranges. It, it looks <laughs> like an actual factory. Well, yeah. It, it's because it is a factory. I know, but when I was a kid, I just imagined like you just shove a fucking straw in the orange and that's it, how you got orange juice out. They did falsely advertise orange juice a lot with the, the straw and the orange. Yeah. I think, I think at one point as a kid, I tried that. I like poked a straw into it an orange and I was like, nothing's coming out. Yeah. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Boston medical surgeon fined for leaving operating room to eat in his car, then falling asleep and missing the procedure. <laughs> Whoops. I mean, maybe he was overworked. I don't know. He could. I mean, like, okay, you go and you eat in your car. Fine. Like, you're clearly in a hurry. Yeah. And then unless he, like, intentionally was like, uh, I'm going to get just a few winks. I'm going to set my alarm for five minutes. Just a power nap. Unless he did that, he literally just, like, fell asleep from exhaustion. Yeah. And it sounds like he was asleep <laughs> for hours. Like, he woke up and he's like, hey, oh my God, uh, it's dark what out. happened? And they're like. Don't worry about it. Uh, someone else did the surgery, but... You are in a little trouble. Where the fuck were you? So, yeah, well, I think this, the sleep excuse is just a cover-up because he actually got held up at uh, Six Flags while he was getting his lunch there. Yeah, uh, I'll be right back. I'm going to get my lunch. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> why oh, do you man. See, why do you have powdered sugar all over your face? Uh, that's uh, it's medical sugar. Yeah. It's just so to, to uh, you know... It's it's for surgery. Yes, it's uh, powder you, to keep the, the mask from sticking to my face. You would know if you were a surgeon. Yes, nurse, mm-hmm. shut up. Let's go back to school. <laughs> yeah, 
Man waves down officer just to slap him in the face, report says. <laughs> hey, hey, officer, officer, come here, come here. <laughs> yeah, you see, he like slapped bitch. him, he called him a bitch, and he's like, fuck the police. <laughs> and ran away. And then I'm I'm pretty sure he got the absolute shit kicked out of him. Probably, but, yeah. Um, but was it know. worth it? Uh, so for him, it seems like it probably was. Yeah. He he probably knew the risks going into it, and uh, yeah, he did what he did. Yeah, he slapped a cop. It's not it's not great. It's not ideal, but but he did it. And uh, he set his mind to something, and, it, and, and he attained that goal. And it's a very funny headline. <laughs> and and he got a lot of support <laughs> online because <laughs> the headline's just like it's. Look, the cop isn't hurt. Yeah. It's just hilarious that it's like he raised, waved him down and slapped him in the face. <laughs> hey, bitch. Uh, Meta shares Spike, but it's a Canadian materials company, not the rebranded Facebook. Yeah, because every investor This happens dumped. every time. It happened with Zoom last year. Yeah, there was some... Com- there was, uh, yeah, I think... Completely different company it's, named Zoom. It's like anytime... Elon Musk, if someone mentions a company, half the time they're not even publicly traded companies. Like he mentioned Telegram one time and so a bunch of people started buying Telegram stock even though it's completely different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this this happens. There's some new coin called like literally Elon Doge or something like that. Just like, and I think the ticker is E-L-O-N. There's people are just like, maybe he'll talk about it if we make it. Or maybe it's his cryptocurrency. And he's going to use it to fund the projects on Mars. You better get in now while it's 0.00000007. It's like, it's all fucking rug pulls. There was one the other day. It was some crypto influencer. Because, like, apparently these, the big crypto accounts, if they just even mention a new coin, yeah. like, the price goes up. And, uh, yeah, it was like this, this woman got outed for, like, literally just, like, the makers of the token being like, hey, can you mention this? And we'll give you, like a few of the initial tokens, just don't immediately sell as soon as it spikes. And she's like, sure. And then she mentions it, the price goes up, and she immediately sells. And then it, it's just a big rug pull. It was like the the SHIB this week. They're like, it's getting listed on Robinhood, which like might be true one day, but like it, it just threw the roof this past yeah, week. Yeah, Inu. And coming. now it's dropped off. Yeah. I mean, hey, if you can make money, good for you. I just, I wouldn't, I would not recommend it as sound investment strategy. It's gambling. But, it's fun uh, gambling. Yeah. Yeah, you know, do, what, do a little bit of gambling. Do whatever the hell you want. Life is horrible. Uh, people are eating all their meals at Six Flags. If you want to throw some, if this is what brings you joy, at, at a, a meaningless coin that will honestly, we're never going to be using Shiba Inu coin as currency ever. <laughs> Remind gonna, me fifty years. Is that going to be cash or Shiba Inu coin? It's just <laughs> never going to fucking happen, guys. I'm sorry. They they doomed themselves from the start with that stupid name. So no, but uh, there's just like it's yeah. It's a Doge-based... Yeah, it's uh, supposed to be better Doge, because Doge is based on Bitcoin's blockchain, and Shiba is based on Ethereum, I think. I don't know. I don't care enough. I'm probably (laughs) wrong. But uh, hey, if you're making money... It's like betting on horses. Yeah, just remember to sell while the selling's good. Mm -hmm. City's attempt to cut Texas man's grass leads to standoff, a fire, and his death, police say. Yeah, this shit escalated. Yeah, and like uh, you see pictures, and it's like, the city tried to cut this guy's grass, and there's people that are dressed up like they're going to war. Well, so initially, uh, I love that this happened in Texas, where like you know, land of the free or whatever. Yeah. But this man, he let his his uh, his front yard just turn into like a, a forest. Yeah, it just got overgrown. Yeah. And uh, you know, you're free to do whatever the hell you want in Texas, except lower the property values of your neighbors. 
And uh, yeah, so I mean, Chip and, Mal- and Joanna Gaines came in, and they were like, "Oh, god damn it, we need to get the city on the phone." So I mean, and yeah, most cities do have ordinances about uh, upkeep of lawn. So they, they, this guy's lawn was out of control. They sent over a crew from the city to mow his lawn for him, uh, and they tried to get him. They knocked on the door or whatever. They're like, "Hey, this is what we're doing." He didn't answer, and then he just started fucking shooting through his window. So they ran away. They brought the cops and like negotiators and they're like please come out like and he just started shooting again they sent a robot to like break into his house and then he set he set a fire in his house he's just, just like decided to go out in a blaze of glory and like armored up and went out like with all his oh my guns God. and started just like opening fire on all these fucking cops so they killed him and it's like all you had to do was let him cut your grass they were offering a free service they, <laughs> this shit this shit escalated so far. It's like, he, in his mind, it's, probably, it's about the principle. I don't want to live in a country where the government's going to come around and cut my grass for me. Did he leave behind, like, a lawn-based manifesto? Uh, not that I can tell. I think this happened pretty uh, sort of impromptu. Yeah. He didn't plan for it, but he... It's he, a lot of escalation. He committed. Yeah. Jesus. So, uh, yeah. Well, now the property values aren't going to go up because that's where the incident happened. This would have never happened if every gardener had a gun. Yes, we need to arm our gardeners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. High school posts photos of students appearing to give lap dances to staff during man pageant. There's a lot more layers to this one, too. Yeah, so this is a thing at a lot of schools in the U.S., especially schools sort of in like the more conservative parts of the country where for homecoming week or whatever. Powerpuff. They have all, yeah. It's usually like the football team. They, they dress come up out, as the cheerleaders. Yeah. But like this school in particular, like they have a long tradition of just like taking things even further than that with the guys coming out, like doing like strip shows for the teachers who are all lined up. And in this past year, I guess things went even further. These guys coming out in like full lingerie, just like grinding on the principal and shit. Uh, but the principal had already been arrested for something. Uh I, for, like, how he dealt with a sexual assault allegation against a teacher or something. by the way, the school's principal is also the town's mayor. He's also the mayor. It's it's all very weird. Um, the funniest thing to me is, like, so this is a part of uh, Kentucky where, that, like, they you know, they this county went 90% for Trump. It's, like, very conservative part. But they fucking, they love their cross-dressing homecoming tradition where they do male cross-dressing strip teases in front of their teachers and they're very upset. And lap dances. They're very upset that the national news has jumped on this to condemn them. They're it's just good old-fashioned fun. Yeah, they've had rallies. They're like, our traditions are being attacked. Our traditions of doing some really gay shit are being attacked by the mainstream media and we will not back down. We support our principle. And it's ironically, hate gay people. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking weird. Like, it's the same, like they, uh, the principal looked like he was loving it. This is so similar stuff used to happen in the U.S. military and like the British military during World War II because these guys would be like just alone for years at a time. So they'd have pageants where dudes would like put a lot of they put a lot of effort into yeah. like doing fucking burlesque shows for each other, and like simultaneously, all these guys like biggest fucking homophobes in the world, just yeah. like. Miss me with that gay shit. But when's the dude pageant? Yeah, when's the dude pageant? <laughs> I want to I pretend, uh, squint my eyes and pretend that that guy over there is a woman so I can get a boner for the first time in a while. But it's not gay if you but squint. It's not fucking gay. It's not gay if you squint. Yeah, it's uh, very strange. Uh, but that's the South, baby. Yeah. 
And final headline today, eccentric Texas attorney wore Michael Myers costume to court because Judge Triple Dog dared him. He went for it. This guy, I don't know if we talked about this. This is the same Texas attorney who got arrested on the beach in Galveston for walking around like Michael Myers a few months back <laughs> yeah. with like a bloody knife and full getup. Uh, he, he loves Michael Myers, loves the Halloween movies, and uh, he, he he's just like, yeah, the day that we did the costume thing, like it was all pretty low-level cases, nothing serious. Half of them just got having dismissed. a little bit of fun. So I decided to do it in Michael Myers' outfit. There's like pictures of him in the courtroom just like <laughs> It's fucking hilarious. He loves that shit. I, I don't know if he's a good lawyer, but he... Look, if it was just like low-level petty shit, then like I, I don't really care. I think it's funny. It, it Yeah. It would be funny if like the judge and the prosecutor and the lawyer, they're all in their Halloween getup just doing extremely yeah, like, like family court. <laughs> judge is doing like is a scarecrow. Yeah. And like, yeah. I mean, if it's like, you know, oh, this kid got caught shoplifting, but we're just going to let him go anyway. Like, yeah, let Michael Myers represent him. Mm -hmm. Your Honor, my client. I, I'm my clearly client a worse person. In comparison, you can see that. Trust me, uh, I would know what a serious crime is. I'm Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah. I've killed hundreds. <laughs> in a uh, anyways, that's it for this week's episode of Weekly Weird News. We hope you had a great Halloween Time to uh, put away the pumpkins and put out the Christmas trees. No, put out the... Nope, the, Christmas trees. The, you can keep the pumpkins out because pumpkins are a squash. They're a, a Thanksgiving... Nope, time for chestnuts. No, unless you live in Germany and you get a sick uh, fucking Vinox marked in uh, the town square, then you can you can jump right into Christmas Candy right canes, now. Candy canes, chestnuts, all kinds of pine scents. It's all time, Elliot. It was 85 degrees yesterday. Nope, I it's just, time for Christmas. I can't get into the mindset. It is Christmas time. All I want for Christmas is you. If you need a transition, I highly recommend. I watch every year now since it came out. But if you need a nice transition from Halloween to Christmas that isn't The Nightmare Before Christmas, Krampus, I say it every year, is mm -hmm. such a good movie. Okay. Got to watch it. The one with Adam Scott. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple Krampuses. That's a good one. Yes. Anyways, Merry Christmas. <laughs> God fucking damn it. It's two months away. Get ready, baby. Well, what are you going to do? Set up like a week before and only get a week to enjoy it? I mean, I was not. Really... I want to enjoy it for a, the full month and a half, baby. I wasn't really planning on doing anything. I guess do whatever the do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, stockings are going up. I'm going to Starbucks and I'm going to say, "My name is Merry Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> now they have to say it. They got to do it. <laughs> Anyways, that's it for today's episode. Watch our most recent episodes over here. Brand new episode of News Dump and Tech News Day. Check both of those out, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye.